Jin Hao Chi Lai. No, I actually, I ordered the uh, General Sao. Um, you're going to have to send that back. Danny. <laughs> Watch, I don't know what else to say. I don't know anything about China, except it that. It means, and... <laughs> I, I, if, if there was a Chinese-speaking person in um, the the hospital. <laughs> okay. Uh, in Bahrain. Oh, oh no. We'll get to that. Oh no. He would probably have said that because that means get well soon. <laughs> it doesn't mean tape my leg back together. <laughs> no, no. Fuck. Jesus. That was a rough. That was, this was a rough race for all the wrong reasons. We'll get to that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Baby. Uh, Welcome, Danny you know. and well, listeners. The Shift F1 <laughs> podcast about speedy race cars. <laughs> Not just talking to you. Uh, I'm Drew Scanlon. Great to be here. I'm Danny O'Dwyer. How you doing? <laughs> yes, it's hard to uh, it's hard to imagine sometimes that this podcast goes out to thousands of people. I know it's crazy. Except that one time we went to Austin and they all turned up in that bar. That was really cool. <laughs> yeah, that was really that was rush. We should do that again sometime. That was that was super cool. Yeah, this that that was fun, and this race was fun. Danny. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. Uh, a lot, it was, it was uh, for the, the problems we had with overtaking last week uh, were, were very much not apparent here. Uh, there was plenty going on. Yes. Uh, starting, I mean, I guess, you know, not a lot of fireworks in qualifying, but some significant stuff that happened before the race. Hamilton got a five place grid penalty for yeah. a gearbox change. Um, which, which I feel like last year would have been like, oh, sure, it's going to take him a slightly longer to get to first. It's kind of, <laughs> but, but with the, the competitive Ferrari we're, we're seeing uh, already uh, in Australia, uh, you know, less of a worry about that, I think, once the race started. Yeah, because uh, Hamilton qualified on merit in fourth place. Right. So the yeah. Ferraris were on fire during qualifying. Yeah. Uh, not, not literally. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and Lewis came in behind his teammate Valtteri Bottas. So yeah, which he I, got I, knocked down to ninth place. I don't think that, I'm trying to think how much I, I would be surprised if that happened more than once, uh, save for penalties last year. Like Hamilton was pretty consistently blowing Valtteri out of the water. So um, yeah, yeah, very interesting to see that uh, splitting the Ferraris though for Sebastian Vettel. Man, fucking he's he's on a roll. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, the rest of the grid looks like uh, this. Sebastian Vettel on top. Kimi Raikkonen in second place. Valtteri Bottas starting third. Daniel Ricciardo inheriting that fourth spot, followed by Pierre Gasly. I know, right? The driver. I know, I know. And you're looking at it. All eyes, you know, turn to the side to look at Fernando Alonso to see his expression. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you're like, hmm. Because, <laughs> like, we couldn't tell last week, right? Because we had a retirement, didn't we? And... We had uh, a not particularly great one. So, it, but for whatever, I get the, I guess it, it's so hard. We've had two races, actually, we'll get into it. We've had two races where we've had retirements, forced retirements, which have kind of left question marks on some of the teams. But yes, yeah, yeah, it him, muddies the waters. Totally. But seeing him qualify there was like, huh, okay. Yeah. Like, let's see how competitive you are over the course of 50, 56 laps or whatever. For what it's worth, um, Toro Rosso has a new uh, internal combustion engine, or ICE, as it's known. <laughs> Jesus. Which I love. <laughs> it's fixed with like a Top Gun. Uh, and some new aerodynamic elements. Right. Um, interestingly, you could see it a lot in qualifying, and I think during the race as well, there's a little light. Uh, I think under, it's like the front wing area or something. Oh. There's a light, like casting light onto the ground. Really? Uh, and the commentators were saying that that measures ride height 
Ah, so it's like a laser or something. They're they're yeah. they're judging it. Interesting. So they they apparently all those changes really worked because uh, yeah, he qualified, um, including Hamilton. He qualified in sixth and then got right. bumped up to fifth. That's right behind I mean. him though, Kevin Magnuson in his Gene House yeah. powered device. <laughs> uh, Nico Holgenberg in seventh, followed mm. by Esteban Ocon of Force India, Lewis Hamilton in ninth, Carlos Sainz Jr. rounding out the top ten for Renault. Uh, Brendan Hartley in 11th, Sergio mm. Perez, Fernando Alonso back down there in 13th. Yeah, didn't make it that, into Q3 this time. Those playing at home, uh, eight places behind the Honda engine-powered Toro Rosso. But hey, man, it's all about Sunday. It's all about Sunday. It doesn't matter how well you do. Race days, where the where the points are handed out. Yes, very, very true. Uh, mm. Stoffel Van Dorn, 14th, followed by Max Verstappen, who crashed in Q1. Um, yeah, right away. Didn't post the time, right? I don't. Th- oh, no, did he post the time? He he got, yes, he did. He got Sorry, to he Q2. Did, of course. Yeah. Um, good enough to, to get to Q2. But apparently uh, they were doing uh, an extra lap after that. Um, and they were testing with like power deployment and there was a right. bug or something and that deployed all of his power. And oh, that's spun him what off happened. Track. I was, I was wondering why, cause it seemed like unlike Max to go off there. Yeah. Mm. Uh, behind him is Roman Grosjean in 16th, Marcus Erickson in 17th, Sergei Sorotkin will start 18th, Charles Leclerc for 19th and Lance Stroll bottom of the grid, back okay. of the pack, bringing up the rear. That's what happens when you stroll. That's right. You got to run. Yeah. Lance, run. Lance, hurry up, bro. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, some of the notes I have for qualifying. I somehow <laughs> I took a, a ton of notes, even though we're not doing play by plays anymore. <laughs> I took a ton of notes for qualifying, just like stuff I wanted to mention. Um, I was looking at McLaren's nose. And I, have you ever seen uh, like what happens when they give a computer an engineering problem to solve? Okay, no. Like they use like they use machine learning or, or I don't even know if I'm using the right buzzwords, but right. the computer basically figures out how like a structure should be built. Oh, on the blockchain. Um, yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 And you know like if I if I was like, okay, I need to attach this nose to the wing, uh, and I need to make it not weigh very much. I'd probably just like, I don't know, drill some holes in it. But how, yeah. how far apart do those, are those holes? How many holes? How big are they? Blah, blah, blah. What type of screws? Um, yeah. McLaren's looks like, it looks like if like two pieces uh, of, of like honeycomb were pulled apart and oh. there's some goo between them. Like it's very organic looking. So it huh. looks like it was designed by a computer brain. Right. So I'll I'll put a link in there. See if I can get a, a close up shot. None, none of these that. straight lines that humans love that. so much. Oh, they're kind of they're like teardrop shaped. The holes are right. Um, so I've been I've been like looking out for other elements on cars like that uh, that that look more organic. I, I would love for these things to look like. Uh, uh, I don't know what's a good like. There's probably some Mass Effect race that has ships like this. Right, there's all like animal lines and stuff like that. I, when, I, when I did the documentary on Horizon Zero Dawn, they talked about how they had to build those machines and they followed natural lines and how that basically made everything keep curving. Like once the skeleton curved, then the muscles curved, then the outer shells curved. And that's how you kind of got it looking like that. But yeah, it's like pretty 
I mean, now that we live in a world where you can 3D print stuff and, and fabrication tools have become so much more motorized, I think it's like less of a less of an issue of just trying to make things that like humans are able to craft because um, like, curves are curves are complicated in like. Yeah, but we got that, 3D printers now and stuff. So. Right. Totally. Uh, a few other just notes here. Alonzo and Grosjean tied. I know it's crazy. Thousandth of a second in so qualifying. The- and that meant Alonso went through Firsties. to Q2 yeah. and uh, Grosjean didn't because Alonso set his time first. Isn't, Isn't that crazy? crazy? Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. I, I, mean, I guess it makes sense. The track temperature is probably more advantageous for the next driver. Um, yeah, it makes more sense, I guess, you're first in. But yeah, right down to the hundred of a second. How about that, huh? Yeah. Uh, also, I, I feel like we should have mentioned this maybe, um, although it was on, we had only done one race so far but uh new for this year if you're just joining formula one for mm. for this year the the graphics have changed mm. and you may be confused about the different colors that show up for especially during qualifying um each when a driver is setting a lap they break the track into three sectors uh mm. and then will show a different color for his time based on his position like how well he does. So basically a green sector means he did a personal best. Mm. Uh, a purple sector means best overall, best in the field. Right. Um, same thing with a purple lap uh, and a yellow time means neither. So I, I think they picked that up from other racing series. MotoGP has been doing that for a long time. Um, uh, Australian supercars do that. Um, not the same colors, but like similar right. idea, mm-hmm. uh, which I love. Like it's, it's great knowing that, okay, he's on, he's on a personal, he's done a personal best in these first two sectors. He's on a pretty good lap. Uh, it's a good visual way to, to show that. Mm. Uh, let's see what else here. I love seeing that. I think there was a shot of the Haas garage and there was a dude working on the car with a <laughs> screwdriver, <laughs> which, you know, speaking of like um, super powerful machines and these things being cutting edge technology, right? The fact that they still work on the cars with a screwdriver, I love. So I love like, sometimes you'll see good. them like taking a wing off with a fucking hammer, like they're just like yeah. like a mallet, you know, like a wide thump thump thump. You're like, yeah, I guess at the end of the day, this shit's still stuck together. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it doesn't really hold a candle to NASCAR where they are literally hammering <laughs> bodywork back into place and duct taping stuff. Good point. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's, it's fun when that happens in formula one. <laughs> also, it has just occurred to me that Lance Stroll looks like a magician. Oh, you think? Yeah. I mean, I the name put my Lance... finger on it, but watching qualifying, that's it. He's a magician. He looks like a magician. Yeah. What is it? The thick eyebrows or the, maybe or the, the, the hair. The, voluminous hair that's a good point he kind of he kind of like his hair is like thick on all sides it's not like thin on the edge and it's he almost looks like a lion's mane i can see it and like lance is like a fair that's a i'd see someone in vegas called lance lance burton is that a magician you're right yeah there is a lance right (laughs) maybe that's why i'm thinking of magicians lance burton lance burton is a retired american stage magician he had over 15,000 shows in Las Vegas for Whoa. apparently 5 million people. There you go. Where did I pull that one? There you go. Lance Stroll Burton. Uh, also, this is the first time in the this current Formula One engine era that a Honda will start from fifth wow. or higher after a dry qualifying session. Imagine if it ended fifth or higher. <laughs> yeah. What would we say then? All right. There's the grid. Let's kick off the race, Danny. Sure. Uh, I mean, 
the, 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 I, <laughs> I, I, I had thought about taking notes. I mean, we're not doing the play-by-play this year, but I, I just for fun and like it's muscle memory, I thought about taking notes. And the first, the first two laps was just such a, a fucking cluster hell of overtaking and like people shimming in and out of each other. I don't understand how nobody crashed for that whole opening sector. I mean, like everyone, there was a couple of uh, incidents and like people got tapped. There was the, I think it was the Force India, was it Hulkenberg got tapped and then Perez ended up spinning. Yeah. Um, The the front ones were all okay. I think, yeah, you got the, 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 the Haas got pushed out, but up until that whole first lap was just nuts. Like at one stage, you look back on the field and they're like seven cars wide. Yeah. Um, and then you, that's the situation where you're like, oh, that's why there's runoff, runoff. Cause people are just like, they're at least they're trying, they're going a little bit crazy. Um, but yeah, the first exactly. lap was pretty incident free, right? It wasn't, it was this, the, there was the yellow because of Perez spinning. Right. And then the next thing that happened was this, was the, the incident between Hamilton and Verstappen. Um, when they tapped into each other, when Hamilton tried to squeeze, for stopping out or probably vice versa. Um, and yeah, uh, Hamilton they touched. is on the outside. Uh, Verstappen is on the inside coming down inside of Hamilton to the corner, but then Alonso is there in front of Verstappen and Verstappen's right. got to go around him. And so kind of, kind of pushes Hamilton out and, mm. uh, they do collide. Yeah. And uh, I thought Hamilton was for sure going to be in trouble there, but it ended mm-hmm. up being Verstappen. I think, was it a front left? I mean, no, it was rear was left. Was a it? rear, yeah. Right. So he just about managed to get around to the pits. His, t- his car was in bits. Did he make it around? He, I don't remember. I do remember him driving along and then in the background, yes. stopped on the side of the road. Yeah. Is his teammate Daniel Ricardo crazy? Two yeah. cars out immediately, like yeah. the same thing that happened to Haas last race. Yeah, it was nuts, absolutely nuts. Like I saw Ricardo pull over, and I thought that was Verstappen, and then Verstappen drove past, and I was like, "Wait, what?" Uh, yeah, absolute nightmare. What was wrong with Ricardo? Did they say in the end? They said his, his engine just turned off in the replay. Like it was just yeah. like, like gone. I think it was just a, a power unit, um, right? Yeah. Yeah, the, the 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 whatever happened with the electricity, the power of stuff. Yeah, it was nuts. Just turned right off. So he said, I saw the interview with him after or during the race where he was like, "It's such a bummer, especially for night races, because like you you wait up all night, like you're you're like looking forward." Oh yeah, and by the way, apologies, I for, I totally forgot that Bahrain has been a night race ever since 2014 when they did the 10 year anniversary. Because last week when we did the track walk, I was talking about how it was a day race again. So apologies for that. Um, but yeah, he basically said. Uh, like yeah, it's an even more of a of a blue balling because you just spent all that time uh, staying up for the race. So c- catastrophic for for the Red Bulls, and like it doesn't give us any more of a an indication as to their like quality this year. They're they're still an unknown. Like Verstappen stayed there for a yeah. couple more laps, but I think he was retired by like lap five or six or something. Yeah. Um, so we, we <laughs> really whole, don't know. The whole team just packed up the garage and left while yeah. the race was still going. It was crazy, wasn't it? They were just like, yeah. like, yeah, like straight up, like stripping out everything out of the garage while you know while people were getting run out, run over outside. Ugh. Yikes! Yeah, well, <laughs> we'll get to that. But first, um, I I really liked that move that Verstappen pulled. Hamilton didn't, which I guess we'll talk about later as well mm. but hamilton did later pull remember that extended drs zone that we talked about the the back straight yeah. being extended by 100 Turn, meters turns out they didn't hamilton, need it 
Well, I, I think he took full advantage of that. Right. I'm not sure he could have done a triple overtake otherwise. Yeah. I think, oh, did he say, did he say in an interview that it was some Talladega Nights yeah. <laughs> stuff? He said, yes. yeah, it was ridiculous. He, he sped past, was it Alonzo was the last car he got past? Yeah, it was Ocon, Hulkenberg and Alonzo. Yeah, absolutely nuts. At I mean, the look, same time. I mean, it was like he was playing F1 on easy mode. You know, yeah. he was just like, right. just brake late and go past them all. It, was it actually incredible. looks like an Indy car race. Because yeah. that happens all the time on ovals. Right, of course. Yeah, absolutely crazy. You, not, you don't see it very often. They, it turns out like there was plenty. There was, it was almost impossible to defend for overtakes, um, at least in like the, the middle of the race, during the end of the race when, when, when tires were a little bit rugged and, and everything wasn't so going so well, you could see people struggling. But for the rest of it, it seemed like fairly easy to overtake people on that, that main straight. So, you know, took, took well advantage of it that time anyway. Yeah. Um, and then I, I don't really recall the exact pit strategies and what everyone was doing, but, right. um, uh, Kimi Raikkonen comes in for a pit stop. Uh, and as you're watching the pit stop happen, it's the, I think it's the camera on the, what do you call Like the lights. Yeah. Whatever that thing is, the thing that hangs where the, the, is it what the guns come down? Is it the, what the cables and the guns that are on? Armature, yeah, that yeah. thing. Yeah. So it's it's looking um, backwards, and you can see Kimmy, and you can see everyone uh, changing his tires. And the green light turns, and there's a dude uh, standing um, in front of, like, uh, between the camera and Kimmy's rear left. So, like, right next to yeah. the side pod. So Kimmy goes, and he's still standing there, and the tire hits him, and he falls over. Yeah. It's so bad. It's we usually see if there's any contact, um, because I, my wife literally five minutes before this, because she was watching. She never watches this stuff, but she was reading a book next to me, throwing me questions. And she said, "Wow, those pits are incredible. Does anyone ever get hit?" And I said, "Like n- very rarely. Like sometimes people get like tapped a bit, but like major incidents happen. You know, I don't know, once every three years maybe. The last one I can remember was the the camera guy getting hit in the back of the head with that tire a couple of years back. That was pretty bad. Yeah." Um, but generally, it tends to be when the when they're coming in, maybe the front jack man or jack person, because we, we we it's we I saw loads of female pit crew actually this race as well, which was you're right, which yeah. was awesome. Um, uh, whoever's on the front jack, sometimes they get little little you know little hit or everyone tap. has to reposition, yeah. but not somebody like the, the person they were that you never see people there because that's the person who's there to remove the wheel. So that's the only reason they're standing in the way of it because the wheel gets removed from that front side. The gun goes in, wheel goes out, and then you've another. You've three people on each wheel: one with the gun, one, one taking off the wheel, one putting on the wheel, as opposed to like Indy or something where you've one person per wheel. I think. Um, so yeah, he was basically the individual tasked with like taking the wheel off. The wheel never came off. They dropped the jacks. They dropped the car on both of them. The green light came on, and I don't know what the eventual you know, reason was some people said that perhaps it's only when the gun gets engaged the first time the wheel comes off that the red light period is there, that the fact that the wheel never actually came off meant that they thought that all wheels were on. Um, Right. I don't know. Uh, In any case, it's illegal to um, race with uh, an old tire in a set. It needs to all be a brand new, fresh set or it needs to be an old set. Um, So Kimmy's basically... There were also different compounds. Oh, they were. Okay. So as yeah. that as well, that's also an illegal thing as well. So, um, 
So Kimi had to pull over immediately. But uh, I, they eventually showed the replay from a much further camera. And you could see that he definitely had a break um, in his leg and perhaps a the, compound. And it was the, so the, the highlight reel on Formula One's YouTube channel shows the original oh, uh, angle. And man, yep, you can see it. It's rough. Oof. He is. Uh, I saw the Instagram post. He is already up and walking on crutches and hopes to yeah. be back in the crew soon enough. So... Um, he did. I think he broke his fibula, and I think he broke his. They said something like ankle bone or something. So it wasn't. It's a big cast. It's a, yeah. It wasn't fibula and tibial, tibia, right? Is not the other one in the leg. It wasn't both of them. It was only one. So at least it wasn't like a, a full, you know, snap, which you sometimes see in in soccer and stuff. It was like pretty bad, but um, at least he has something to like put some pressure on because one of the bones is okay, but. Uh, yeah, that's not fun. Like, I kind of... Oh, God. I was thinking every single... I never worried about that with pits before. And then every other pit that came through, I was, like, looking through my fingers. Like, going, oh, yeah. my God. Like, these poor folks. So, I don't know. Ferrari are going to have to look into what happened there. They'll obviously get their fine for unsafe pit release no matter what. But yeah, 50,000 euros. Right, yeah. And that's not because of the break, right? That's just, like, unsafe pit release, full stop. You get you get fined for it. Yeah. Um, in fact, actually, somebody came in and had to avoid Kimmy's car as well. Um, they were sort of like the cameras right, were yeah. on them, so I couldn't see what was. I think it was one of the small, I think it was maybe a Williams or something. Again, that wouldn't be good. It had to be close. If it was close to them, they're in order, right? So it had to be a someone half decent, I guess. I don't think it was Red Bull. Um, but yeah, that was... Uh, not fun. Not fun. Did you see it happen no. right away? I, I didn't actually notice it. I think yeah, I was... I saw the guy get hit. Oof. Um... But I didn't, you know, it's, it's, it was tough to see in that, in the moment, how bad it was. I wasn't right. watching his leg. <laughs> Blah. Yeah. I, you could, you could tell when everyone was like, when the stretcher came out, I was like, oh, right. Yeah. Cause they, cause they don't want people lying down in a pit lane. Like right. normally, like the, the, you know, if you could get up and get away, you'll get up and get away. So when when he saw there was a stretcher coming out, it's like, oh no, okay, this is this is pretty bad. But thankfully, so, he's okay. Yeah, and it, actually, on his uh, his Instagram, uh, the little video of him on crutches, he <laughs> says in the in the photo caption, "Installation lap crutches, no need procedures, stay positive." <laughs> <laughs> he has a very uh, Italian name. <laughs> yes, uh, Francisco Sigarini. Okay, there you go. Yeah, so we wish uh, him the so, best of recovery. Yeah, the, that that's nice to see that he's making uh, what appears to be a, a, a speedy recovery. For um, sure. The FIA is examining uh, this incident, um, which I, is confounding, honestly. Uh, yeah. yeah, you'd think that this couldn't happen, but uh, I guess you know. Yeah, the, the, the I, same I, as I, what they say about airplane rules uh, that FIA or. Uh, FAA regulations are right. written in blood. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's when stuff goes... I mean, Halo device, same thing. Yeah. Jules Bianchi, that's why we have those things. Um, and, and like, I, you, can, you can speculate that, you know, perhaps there's a pattern here with what happened with Haas in the previous race. Um, it, can, it can just as easily be two separate incidents that happened that uh that you know that just so happened to happen within a race of each other but like 
Or perhaps uh, the unsafe release that happened during practice in Bahrain. Right. Which um, the driver, Kimi Raikkonen. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, so I guess there's there's more of a pattern, right? So I I, like I don't know. Do the FIA take a, a deeper look at the whole thing? I just know as a viewer, I am I've never been more like war it's like it's like when you have a, a football player who you know a soccer player who like keeps missing shots when they're on a one-on-one or like a field goal kicker who's like on a bad streak there's so much weird energy now around pit stops just because of like all of this weird shit that's gone on and um yeah i don't know if it's like a procedure thing or whatever but like there's so there's like there's like a voodoo around it now a little bit that I, that uh you know i wouldn't be surprised if teams just take that a little bit longer just to make sure that everything's okay because yeah you know the last fia i'm sure it wants like exciting pit stops and stuff like that the, the, the last thing liberty wants is people breaking their leg on television like it's just it's not a good look and no. you know and obviously it's apart from that it's a health and safety disaster so um yeah, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a pretty big look into all this sort of stuff. And I bet everyone's going to have their T's crossed and I's dotted for uh, for China next week or this week. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's still F1. Uh, mm. There's like there's a lot of resistance to changes, uh, stuff like right. that. Especially, you know, look at the Halo. Like people are, um, don't like it, even though it's. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, a, a safety measure. How, how did you feel this this week? Second second week of Halo, second race. I didn't even notice it. Either did I. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Yeah, I don't even remember thinking about it at all. No, I, I it never. I don't know. Maybe night race. I don't know, but I, I I didn't even notice it. Like the first week, I definitely did every single time. And no, this is yeah. normal. It's fine. <laughs> I, I think it's. Um, I I remember a. It's either there's so there's two documentaries whenever we talk about F1 safety that come to mind. It's mm. there's one that I think was produced by the BBC for TV called uh, F1 The Killer Years. Yes, and there's another one called One, just the number one mm. that's about uh, safety. I think it's on Netflix. Yeah, um, but I think I watched it. Yeah. So someone in there in one of those says, you know, we watch F1 because it's dangerous because there are crashes, mm. but we don't like seeing people get hurt. I yeah. think you can, like, you can have an element of danger, um, but then find it completely unacceptable that people get hurt, in, especially in a manner like this. Yeah, like it's one thing if it's like a racing incident and you know something happens, uh, but like this is just weird. Yeah, totally, and. We love when we see crashes in Australia. Well, we don't love when we see them, but when when Fernando Alonso walks away from a crash like what happened last year, exactly. But, like, but pit crew are like pit crew are fucking defenseless, man. Like that's yeah. you know you really don't want to see that happen because there's nothing you can do. Like what are you going to do? Put them in armored suits? Like that's not that's not going mean, to work, right? So they deserve to be. They look like they are wearing Judge Dread helmets, but they're <laughs> yeah. but they're not. Yeah, good point. Um, all right. Where were we? So yeah, get, that's, you got a few more things. No, the only thing I think of is like, I mean, the pit strategy was interesting with, with, with the sort of Mercedes and, and Ferrari kind of duking each other out and going on different strategies and the whole plan B, plan C, plan D thing that was going on. <laughs> um, the only other interesting thing was, was the whole Vettel, uh, Hamilton part at the end where Vettel essentially lied over team radio. He, he told his engineers that everything was hunky dory. Um, 
while you know the tires there was a big question over how long those tires were going to last um and it kind of looked like he was like five or six laps over um and sure enough when he when the race ended well you know the spoilers but he 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 was like saying yeah that that was that, that those tires were totally gone totally gone for like the last whatever 10 laps or so so it yeah. was interesting to see him i i always wonder what does that happen do they send those false signals and he tried to do it to get mercedes to back off a bit so they'd you know just make sure their engine didn't pop or anything but um they obviously didn't um i, I mean botas chased him down for the last few laps which is really exciting yes. to watch he got real um, close man got pretty close you know also uh, got real close Who's that? Well, Lewis Hamilton, kind of, but mostly Pierre motherfucking Gasly. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> Fourth place. Right? 54 seconds behind Hamilton, but still. <laughs> yeah. Fourth he was kind of like, after Ricardo went out on lap one, uh, <laughs> Gasly kind of was in a race all to himself. Yeah. Uh, uh-uh. it, I mean, it definitely helps that essentially the you know, other three cars that would have been ahead of him all retired between Kimi and the two Red Bulls. But yeah, what a race, man. Held off Magnussen, Hulkenberg, and, and both Alonso and Stoffel Van Dorn. Um, incredible stuff. Yeah. Uh, Lewis I, Hamilton uh, finished third place, which is insane. Right. Considering where he started in ninth. Yeah. Um, I guess that's not that insane. Six places for Lewis Hamilton. But he, he actually, by lap eight, he was fourth. Right. Uh, yeah. And then with Kimmy going out, he uh, inherited third place. Yeah. He wasn't just able to catch up. The vet, you know, very exciting. You know, I saw a lot of people afterwards on Twitter being like, I don't know if I should be shouting for Ferrari because, like, I remember <laughs> the Schumacher era. But, like, yeah. also, like, Mercedes has someone to fight this year. And yeah. it's not Red Bull. It's not anyone else. But it is Ferrari, man. They're, they're, next week will be a big tell china will will benefit less less heat and and um the downforce on those slow corners will help them but like um yeah it, it's it's exciting it's very exciting to see you know vettel already you know, like points and points ahead at this stage of hamilton at least yeah well let's uh finish out the rest of the result here uh federal wins followed by botas then hamilton taking the last spot on the podium pierre gasly brings it home in fourth place followed by kevin magnuson for haas <laughs> amazing <laughs> oh, I, was, I just wanted someone in the top three to crash on the last like two, like two of them to hit each other and let the two of those get a podium it would have been amazing yeah i think the uh well i'll, I'll get to that remind me to um uh, tell you who is on the uh, like the three drivers that they're interviewing before China. Okay, <laughs> all right, I will. Uh, so Magnussen in fifth, followed by Hulkenberg. Alonso got it up to seventh, uh, and his teammate Stoffel Van Dorn right behind in eighth. Marcus Ericsson in yeah. ninth place for Sauber. Wow, Sauber, how the about, backmarker team. How about those points? Yeah, Oof. they probably taste pretty good. <laughs> Uh, and one point for Esteban Ocon in 10th. Yeah. Outside the points, signs Leclerc in 12th, which is pretty good considering uh, he's a rookie and in the sour. Remo Grosjean in his Haas. Lance Stroll, the magician, in his Williams. Sergei Sorokin in his Williams in 15th. Uh, Perez and uh, Brendan Hartley, who I guess, yeah, this is affected by both of them receiving 32nd time penalties yes because Leclerc finished uh, 14th after the race yeah 
Um, yeah. Okay. That's, that's why I didn't remember Leclerc finishing 12. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh those were applied because, um, let's see. Perez passed Hartley on the formation lap. Oh yeah. Hartley was not in the correct starting order order at the safety car line. So yeah. some weird, some weird stuff like that. Yeah. Um, which you can't do. No. Nope. Out of the race, Kimi Raikkonen, Max Verstappen, and Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah. Basically. Big, big names. Everyone I like. <laughs> yeah. That's not true. I like them. But it's it's good to see, I mean, there, were, there are no Hondas turning off this week. There's no low-level cars having problems with reliability, which is something that can happen in, in this sort of heat. Um, obviously, uh, the only one, you know, Ricardo was a reliability issue for sure. Who knows if what Verstappen would have done if, if the race kept going, maybe he would have had problems as well. But at least you can see there that there's only one car that's 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 um, f- falling apart, which last year we, that was a big problem. A lot of uh, reliability issues with uh, top to bottom. So good to see. Good to see uh, only three retiring and two of them were kind of just like weird racing incidents. Yeah. Um... As I mentioned, the drivers on the uh, on the what is that called the the press conference mm. uh, before the Chinese Grand Prix? Max Verstappen. Okay. Okay. You kind of uh, expect him. He's a sure. big name. Like only three drivers ever ever get to participate in this. Oh in this no! Oh no! Max Verstappen. <laughs> Pierre Gasly. Okay. Okay. Marcus Ericsson. Nice. Okay. Like, what a motley crew. Yeah. I'm not like I doubt Ericsson has ever been up there. Maybe. That's, a, that's awesome. And Pierre Gasly, I mean, he's practically a rookie. Did you see Verse uh, Vettel um, standing up for Hamilton? Yes. The, the oh, my God. That was awesome. I absolutely loved this. Yeah, so really do you want good. to describe what happened? Sure, yeah. I think the, the, the reporter who was from, I, I think it might have been a German publication. Um, uh, he sounded Dutch to me. He sounded Dutch? Okay. Um, he asked the question that was basically, uh, I think, who was it? Was it, did Hamilton call Verstappen a name after the incident? He said, like, you idiot or dickhead or something like that. Yes. Uh, in the, the post-race green room. You, oh, you he said it. Turn he, up oh, that's what it was. Yes, yes. Where they're all like, you know, grabbing bottles of water and stuff, right. waiting to walk out onto the podium. Yeah. So the reporter essentially asked him, like, you know, is that okay? You know, you're, you're saying all these words. He was asking Lewis Hamilton. And then before Lewis had a chance to reply, for, uh, uh, Sebastian Vettel basically got piped up and said, if you don't mind, if you don't mind, Lewis, I want to answer this question. That, like, it's very unfair to essentially, he said, if you mic'd up a soccer player during a game and they, like, said something off the cuff like that, that, like... It's uh, it would be unfair to like criticize that, you know, that moment that they did that, you know, when somebody cuts you off in traffic, you feel like that little rush and they're full of adrenaline and all of this sort of stuff. And like, you know, it's not fair to ask that type of question in, in this sort of setting, because essentially it's like you're you're setting me up. There's no good answer you can have for that. Right. So it's just going it's so it's an unfair question. And he even he even said that he said to the report, he says, I'm not having a go at you. Like, please don't take this personally. But I don't think that's a question that like we should be making. We should be uh, um, uh, posing to people uh, considering the, the circumstances. And I thought I actually thought like this was a way more level headed Sebastian Vettel that I than I'd even seen last year, because last year he yeah. seemed to be a, a, a rabid dog. Um so yeah, I thought that was really nice, and also like very gentlemanly to like step 
you know, in to defend who is essentially his championship rival. Maybe it's a little bit easier when you got 50 points in the bag. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, it was a wonderful little moment. Uh, I was very impressed by him and Lewis was seemed fine with it and just didn't answer. It was, it was, it was nice. Yeah, I, I got to imagine that Vettel gets this stuff all the time yeah, from the I press. Bet. And, I bet, you know. Especially about Max Verstappen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I, yeah, I mean, you and I, I mean, both as as people who, who live and work on the internet uh, can kind of uh, sympathize with this to a degree. And I think that's why I feel so uh, so strongly uh, in in my love for Vettel after him saying this. Right. Uh, yeah. I, was, I was really pleased to, to hear him articulate that so well uh, and, and so eloquently. Yeah, it's hard when you're always on, especially in that situation where it's not like team radio is bad enough, but like that's just a room where you're hanging out with people after you've just like done craziness. So yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. Uh, also, speaking of talking heads um, spouting their mouths off, I, I would like to uh, retract what I said about... Um, uh, Marcus Erickson. I basically said he's just a pay driver. I think okay. in, our, in our first episode of the, right. of the year, uh, you got it to ninth place. I've yeah. never done that. So I mean, I mean, I mean, Pastor Maldonado did win a Grand Prix. <laughs> <laughs> I just wonder. I'm so there are exceptions that prove rules as well. So I mean, okay, yeah. I'll, maybe Erickson is, is a less flagrant. Um, I mean, <laughs> everyone. I mean, I, I'm probably going to catch some stuff for this too, but everyone who is in F1 is there because they can drive cars really well. Totally, yeah. Like you, the, you go back you, a little further, maybe that stops being the case. There's one Japanese guy who basically just had never driven an F1. Here, here you go. I forget the actual story, but he basically talked his way into an F1 seat. <laughs> There was a there was a famous driver. I think I mentioned this before in the UK who pretended he was like or a, dry, a soccer player pretended he was like Georgie Weah's cousin and managed and like called up a manager for I think it was New, was it Newcastle was it Kenny Daglish or something I forget he called and he he played in the Premier League and he was like wow. terrible he was terrible he just turned up and played <laughs> and they, they substituted him on and off it was like it never happened. Did you hear about that guy in uh, the uh, uh, National Hockey League? Oh yes, the the goalkeeper who was like, yeah. yeah, he's just like he's there in case like the random events that one of the teams loses both their goalies. All he'll three. He all was th- number sorry, three. four in line. Yeah. He's an accountant that plays on the weekends, <laughs> and he saved like a bunch of shots, and they won the yeah, game. And he got the game, saved like nine shots. Yeah, it was they so won. Good. It was so good. Like I, I was a I was a goalkeeper for like you know most of my life, like fifteen years. I played in various wow. competitions as a I goalie. Didn't know that. So yeah, yeah. I'm like obviously not in hockey and soccer and stuff. Oh, um, okay. And uh, <laughs> and so but so but like I so I like love goalkeeping. I have a book about goalkeeping, uh, which is like all about the the psychology of being a goalkeeper and stuff. So I love goalie oh, I stories. It's really good. It's called oh I'll have to remember. It's like the the the. It's all about like how the goalkeeper psychologically is there to like ruin everyone's fun. They're like they're doing the opposite <laughs> of everyone else, and it's like the most lonely job in the world um but uh yeah it was it was amazing to see and they gave him the 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 top star i think like they give the three stars at the end um they gave it to him as well which is pretty cool yeah it's called the outsider um the history of the goalkeeper it's really good wow that's That's awesome yeah yeah fair play well from bahrain to China. to China, 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 Japan, Japan, Street Fighter. Uh, yeah, do you want to talk about China a little bit? 
Let's. Sure. China's been around for a while. Uh, 2004. <laughs> yes, it has. Yeah, well, it has. The nation of China has been around for, <laughs> I don't know. At least 2004. So yeah, yeah, like 6,000 years maybe or something in some sort of form. Who knows? It kept breaking apart and splitting again and turning in different dynasties and all this sort of stuff. But we're just going to talk about 2004, the year right. of our Lord, 2004. First, the earth cooled and then the dinosaurs came. <laughs> They were too big and fat and all died and turned into oil. And then using that oil, we put it into cars and made them go really (laughs) fast. That's the Earth's history. Um, Yeah, they built it. It's another Tilkadrome in 2004. Uh, It was set up in a manner to... uh, So it was kind of one of the first of that era. It was the most expensive track that had ever been built up until that point. It was just out and it's it's just Shanghai Autodrome, but it's pretty far outside the city and essentially what used to be paddy fields. Um, So up until they started building all the... um, the, uh, uh, Emirati ones or the the Middle Eastern ones, the first of which being, I guess, Abu Dhabi, which cost like Jesus, I don't know, like f- billions. Um, this was the most expensive uh, one they'd ever built, and it it sort of used that format that a lot of them, the modern ones, use, where it's been set up to basically uh, increase the amount of um, spectator viewing points. So there's as many left-handers as right-handers on this track, which is quite unusual. Um, there's also the longest uh, um, uh, straight and crazy speed trap um, in in um, uh, the or hairpin rather in in the Formula One circuit. There's a really good mixture of high speed areas. There's two DRS zones uh, and very like sharp. Uh, turns like almost like a little mini mini arena section. Uh, the craziest of which being the first four turns, which are kind of unique i can only it reminds me a little bit of some of the sector two parts of spa but they they are taken at such a much a high uh, pace and don't have this sort of crazy um uh, height change that you get here it's pretty much a flat circuit except for turn two which is way higher than everything else so when they take when they go down the drs zone uh, or sorry when they go down the straight um turn one is like it's it's it just never kind of ends it just it it's not a sharp turn. It bends to the right and it also goes uphill um, up and almost curves entirely in on itself. Like it, it almost does 270 degrees going uphill at the peak of turn two and then it goes down into turn three, which is, is really interesting for the driver's perspective because they're totally blind going into turn two because they're so low in the car already. They really need a lot of distance and like a decent flat piece of land in front of them to see where they're going so they have no idea where the apexes are when they're going into turn two and then when they eventually get around um uh, into turn three when you watch the onboards it's almost like the the concrete just envelops the sky because they go from so high down into turn three which again is another like I don't know, 100 and 210, uh, almost like a hairpin all on its own into turn four, which is a regular ass corner, which then goes into a, a little bit of a straight section, which only, which is only feels like a long straight because the first four corners have been so ridiculous. Um, it's a fun track, man. There's loads of stadium uh, stadiums around to view the track. The problem that they've always had is getting people out to wherever the fuck this is to get people to fill up um, uh, the stands. So it's almost it was almost designed. It's major design sort of rule is almost what works against it so much because when you're watching practices and even when you're watching qualifying and kind of in the race, especially around turn you know five, six, seven, eight. 
you see loads of empty stands, which is a massive shame. Uh, the ones that tend to be full are the ones on the start finish straight, and then there's two that straddle either side of the final turn, um, turn 14, which also is turn 15. It's sort of like a double apex. Um, but what's really interesting there is the DRS detection zone for that for what is the longest straight in F1, I think it's a kilometer, um, is a decent bit behind um, uh, where the straight starts. The detection zone is, is actually like two or three turns uh, earlier uh, from that section. Um, yeah, and then they sort of... That we, I don't think, um, addressed in our, in our, uh, our, our preseason primer. Right. Uh, where there's, there's, I think we, we described DRS, but there's actually, there's a detection point and then mm. there's the, where you can actually use it. And there are different spots on the track. Detection point is, you know, somewhere before the DRS straight. Um, but if you, as long as you are within a second across that detection point, you can drift outside of a second uh, by the time you get to the DRS uh, zone and still use it. Right. And it, in fact, it all Bahrain, comes down to that first, that detection point. Right. And Bahrain is actually a really good example of one of those that you can kind of exploit because the one that's on the center um, is in a, in a sort of a sharp um, uh, left-hander that you can kind of just throw the car into and try and get under one, uh, one second if you can. Um, so that, that happens quite a bit. It's, it's much harder to do on this one because turn 11 is so uh, ridiculously sharp. So the DRS detection zone is between 11 and 12. So there's, it's, there's not really much of a way. You have to take 11 really uh, well. But there's lots of tricky corners though. Turn 11, uh, turn 9, that whole first section, even turn 7 and 8, which are sort of the, so they're kind of maggots and beckets in a way. It's a super technical track. Um, it's it's yeah, one of the hardest the tracks to run. Yeah, they're very different. Like so they come in pairs. I find like you'll get a you'll get a couple that kind of are similarly apexed or like double apexed. You'll get a couple of really wide ones like that. Nine and ten are quite similar. Eleven and twelve, sort of, and thirteen, sort of. It's almost like going through turns four through one backwards in a way. Um, uh, but it's 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 super technical for the drivers and also for the car setup because like i said there's some really slow um you know high downforce required tight turns in here and there's also like massive straight line speed sections so this is going to be the big sort of look at with, with the performance of um the mercedes yeah. cars because we're, we're going to really see how much of that type of advantage that they have is going to like close the gap on the ferraris yeah how do, how do you trim a car for speed and grip right <laughs> So it'll be yeah. it'll be pretty interesting, and of course, sorry, there is a second DRS uh, zone on the start finish straight. The detection zone for that is uh, uh, just before the final uh, turn, which is um, you know a little bit little bit more standard. All right. Well, the uh, the weather looks uh, reasonable. We're looking Good. at some clouds uh, okay. for qualifying day and temperatures around. Uh, uh, low 60s in Fahrenheit and around okay. 17 uh, Celsius. Yeah, that's how I wind. remember. It's uh, six, 60 is six, 60 is 16, but it's actually like 16.8, I think. But, okay. Yeah, it's like that's how I remember the difference between C and, C and F. 60, 16. Uh, good amount of wind. Apparently 17 miles an hour or right. uh, 27 kilometers an hour. That'll make uh, a big difference on straights. It really would. Similar mm. for... Um, for race day on wind and temps, a uh, little, little warmer temps and uh, some partly cloudy skies. Oh, so. clearing in the afternoon. Yes. 
Uh, <laughs> Pirelli's Shanghai preview says this is a, uh, a three out of five for asphalt grip. Ooh. Got a two for downforce. Um, asphalt abrasion is a three. Tire stress is a four and lateral uh, is a four. We've got medium, right. soft and ultra soft <laughs> for tires. Awesome. Should we take it to some news, Danny? Let's take it to some news. Sick of all these olds. Uh, as predicted by the Shift F1 podcast last week, <laughs> we have a bunch of uh, news coming out about 2021, the year, the future year, 2021. That yeah. is when all the current F1 rules and regulations expire mm. uh, and we need new ones. So they're, they're talking about them uh, this year, in yeah. fact. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's all happening. First on the docket, Ferrari, you're getting no money, <laughs> <laughs> nothing. And we'll make it's like affirmative action for for all the small teams out there. Finally, uh, really. kind of. I mean, we're so uh, <laughs> F1 and we're Liberty, Liberty Media, I guess, or whoever you want to call these people met with uh, all the teams and basically presented their plan um, under their. Uh, this, this all is being reported by, uh, racefans.net. Mm. So F1's plan is to, um, address the following competition, action, and unpredictability, technological leadership, healthy, sustainable business models to create franchise values for teams, simple rules and regulations, racing over penalties, drivers over technology. Simple, honest, and transparent governance, which provides equality. How they're going to do this is uh, divided into um, five areas here. First area, power units. Cheaper, louder, more power, less complex. Allow 100% racing for 100% of the race. I like the sound of that. This, you know, this, this sounds like when a Reddit poster talks about how they want their video games to be. They're just like, they're just like better, more guns, cooler, less buggy. More good. <laughs> yeah, more good. Uh, but, they want, but it's not. It's actually one of the smartest brains in F1. Ever right. Doing this, leading this. Yes. Uh, one Ross Braun. Mm. Uh, costs should be defined by how well one spends, not how much. Um, mm. Standardized elements which have limited fan value. Uh, revenues. Address inequality or inequity, I guess is the word there. More mm. balanced distribution. Reward success. Return to meritocracy uh regulations streamline close performance gaps reduce penalties uh increase unpredictability and governance mm -hmm. streamline structure equal representation for teams and transparent process that currently all that amounts to uh specifically in costs a 150 million dollar annual spend cap right uh which is basically half of what mercedes and ferrari currently spend uh, this article has Mercedes spending two hundred ninety million. Uh, Ferrari spends three hundred fifty million. Red right. Bull's two twenty. Force India is a cool one hundred, with Williams being one twenty, Renault one fifty, Toro Rosso one ten, Haas one hundred, McLaren one seventy five, and Sauber one oh five. Four teams get bonus. Wait, uh, I'm not sure if this is current or last year uh, so i'm not gonna say that i think it's i think it's current but um anyway ferrari will lose to stand to lose it's 100 million dollar annual long-standing team and constructors championship bonuses mm. um but be paid an 
$40 million annual heritage fee as a sweetener to remain in F1. So back or down from $100 million to $40 million. Right. Um, but um, the engine suppliers will be paid a $10 million annual subsidy each, which reduces Ferrari's loss, quote, loss to $50 million and marginally mm. compensates Mercedes with Renault being the biggest winner of the proposed financial restructure. Uh, also worth noting that the Ferrari Ferrari may not utilize its heritage bonus for performance purposes and would uh, need to write the $40 million back to profits. Right. You can't just put that into the development of your car. Right. Uh, McLaren and Williams will also be hit to the tune of $30 million and $10 million respectively. Uh, Mm -hmm. So basically that will level the playing fields more or less with costs. It, It also really simplifies the payouts. Every team, We'll get uh, there's a separate article um, uh, on racefans.net that basically takes um, how 2017 worked and says, what if 2017 was like 2021 and everyone right. would get 50 million dollars just for being an F1. Uh, but then <clears throat> in column two, it's a payout uh, f- starting at 70 million and tapering to 30 million based on how the teams finished. Right. Um, so Ferrari or Mercedes who won last year would get 120 million, whereas Sauber who came in last would get 80. So that's how that right. breaks down. It makes sense. I don't know if the teams are going to go for it. Um, but yeah, we're waiting to, apparently we're waiting to see until they haven't, Ferrari haven't said anything yet. So it's all sort of all eyes and ears on Shanghai when they see if they kick up a fuss about it or not. Yeah, Ferrari's good at, at kicking up fusses, though. Yeah. I think Toto Wolff, the only thing he has said is that $150 million development cap is, um, or operating cap, I guess, is uh, unrealistic. That was his right. word. Yeah. Uh, on the engine front, Liberty's plan call for the existing uh, 1600cc V6 turbo hybrid architecture to be largely retained, but with a complex heat energy recovery units removed to reduce, co- reduce costs and right. increase noise with the power loss compensated by larger capacity kinetic energy systems and increased lev- rev limits by 3000 RPM. Right. That's That's a pretty significant step back in terms of that type of technology was they were really on the bleeding edge of that like that was the type of thing they were looking to get back into cars as well is retaining all that heat less of an issue with, with lower rpm cars but like still or engines but still i feel like that that's interesting they've, maybe they've like we've done our work so we're going to now scale it back a bit because yeah for the sake of the sport but yeah i'm, I'm all for making them loud louder again for sure i mean that i mean the loudness doesn't really matter to me personally um the the fact that they're losing the energy recovery does make it a little weird i think christian horner has said something like f1 needs to decide what it is because if it's not the tip of the r&d spear if you're not you know um using your development of these heat recovery units uh that translate heat into battery power then what why does F1 exist really? Right. So yeah. it's, I, I think I, I'm not saying it's an insurmountable question or that this is the wrong way to go. I just think that, uh, the question now, or we are waiting to see what F1's personality is, I guess they're right. Their core, um, it sounds weird, but like belief system, like what is, 
what's the what's the theory of f1 right yeah what's the point of f1 like maybe the point of f1 is to delight people <laughs> and it's less about the r&d stuff i don't know like um yeah i don't know like i i feel like the the battery thing is obviously the seems like the most important thing for modern automotives that and sort of ai stuff i guess you know which f1 has nothing to do with when we talk about autonomous vehicles being a massive thing as well so yeah i don't know like maybe I, I, let's be honest like a lot of the teams aren't in it for r&d like, <laughs> like yeah the big manufacturer cars are for sure but like fucking force india aren't there to push the <laughs> need. i don't think so anyway like somebody yeah. or sauber or haas like they're they're there to be part of an exciting sport that travels the world and, and delights people um uh, around the world for mo most of the year so yeah i don't know uh, like maybe maybe it's okay for that to be less important for the next while like you don't have to say it, it's always going to be that way but like maybe for like 10 years you just take a step back and turn it into more of a focus a bit more on the on the pageantry and the, the racing itself yeah, well said. Speaking of delighting people, American broadcaster ESPN has confirmed <laughs> that its Formula One qualifying and race broadcasts will be commercial free Woo. in 2018. I was watching Amazing. the race and couldn't believe it, but they did not cut to a commercial once. They right. showed two hours of Sky Sports broadcast. It was fantastic. Crazy. Right? It was nuts. I, I, it was, and they'd done it uh, when it happened. Um, the folks in the sort of uh, the 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 uh, no clip Discord, we have a channel for the F one stuff. They were they were talking about how, um, uh, uh, whether or not like is this normal? Like what's going on? And a bunch of people had watched qualifying, uh, on stuff already earlier in the week, and it was the exact same. They didn't yeah, show any ads there either. So that's great. I I, I kind of thought maybe this is just a make good for the mess up last week. I didn't really think that they were gonna pull it out entirely, but. Cause like, what's the benefit then? <laughs> like what? Yeah. Where, where are they earning the money here exactly? Like um, overlays. I don't know. <laughs> like just uh, put a Red Bull can up in the top corner. Well, they don't need to. There guess, is like a title sponsor, Mother's Polish. It's like presented by Mother's Polish. And at the beginning okay. and the end, they say that. But like, how much can that possibly be bringing in? I don't know. Right. They should say like Sebastian Vettel, title card sponsored by Mother's <laughs> Polish. Right. Like his name. Everyone <laughs> so I don't know. But yeah, it's cool. It's really cool to see them. That's great. Like, what about like it's that makes the whole MSNBC or NBC Sports Network to ESPN thing feel a lot more like an advancement, right? Yeah. Again, I don't think it doesn't seem like it should be this way. <laughs> Are you sure? But um, I'm. Yeah, it seems I'm, like some somebody somewhere forgot to do something. That's yeah. what it, that's what it looked like last week and the week before. Yeah. Um, but like, crazy. I, currently, sorry, I, I don't see any reason for me to sign up for F1 uh, TV now. Kind of. Like, that's uh, that's the weird thing about it. We got some emails from people saying, basically saying that. Uh, the one here, actually, from Sean Lee, who said, so ESPN is now broadcasting F1 ad fee. Sure, they didn't pay for the rights, so they aren't really out much. But do you think this is a double cross on Liberty, with Liberty knowing that they are trying to launch their uh, on-demand service? Why pay when you can get it for free? Um, $200 uh, a month um uh slash uh cable bill free so that's the, the, it, it, that does seem peculiar that they're doing that especially as america is perhaps one of the bigger regions for this like is this isn't getting rolled well, out in every country growth area i'd say uh yeah espn this is from motorsport.com espn says it averaged six hundred and eighty-two thousand viewers whereas wow. uh channel four twitter account 
at C4 Press in the UK said uh, their coverage of um, the Bahrain GP drew an average of 2.7 million. Right. And you, the UK is tiny compared to yeah. America. It's not. I was. A, I don't know how many people in the UK, like seventy-five million or something. But honestly, um, I think uh, you're right. This is going to. Um, they're going to take a hit at the number of people who would have signed up for F1 TV in America. Right. But you're going to get a great F1 product put under the noses of people that yeah. already have ESPN. So totally. I think it's in the long term a much better idea for or a much better for liberty. Yeah, growth, growth, growth. You know, that's probably the most important thing. And then you'll have cord cutters like me who don't have access to ESPN, right? So, like, I'm going to get the service when it launches, um, no matter what. Um, but oh, any news on on the service? I, they were scrambling yeah, to get yeah. it done for this week. Um, I, don't, but, I don't think so. Yeah, so we'll have to... Uh, I, I did see. hear that they, when it happens, they will roll out like desktop first. So it won't be everywhere immediately. Like you won't be able to get it on your phone okay. immediately. Um, but it'll, I think it's coming to desktop first and then they'll have some kind of grace period. And then it'll be like phones and then, you know, Apple TV, little boxes, stuff like that. Right. Your Amazon fires. Sure. Your Zooms. <laughs> <laughs> Mini disc, all oh, the bangers. Yeah. Betamax. Can't wait. Can't wait. <sighs> you Won't know wait. what can wait, wait, Danny? Uh, Tell me. Race promoters insisting that Grid Girls come back. Oh, really? Uh, Monaco. Who's insisting? Uh, Singapore. Um, I think Singapore is, has the most, like, it's, you know, it's all shades of gray here, but the most understandable yeah. case because they put their... Uh, Singapore Airlines staff um, right. out there in Own, their uniforms, right? Do they only employ women? That's, yeah, that's <laughs> like, like, what are we doing like, here? fuck off. Oh. Pull the other one, guys. And as may not surprise you, the Russian Grand Prix also wants to uh, have Grid Girls back. And I just want to read right. you some choice quotes from the New York Times article here. This from okay. Deputy Prime Minister of Russia... Jesus. Dmitry Kozak. Um, if we can reach an agreement, we will res- revive <laughs> this tradition. Moreover, our girls are the most beautiful. Oh my God. Oh my uh, God. It, it is wrong at races to lead out children who are frightened of mechanical things. You need oh, grown ups <laughs> in all kinds of motorsport. <laughs> girls advertise the cars and it looks harmonious and pretty. There you go. They want to retain that long, long tradition dating back to 2015. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck off. Oh, God. Yeah. Come on, Deputy Prime Minister. I'm I'm sure you've got bigger fish to be frying than, than... Clearly, he's like... I don't know. The only reason he went to the races was so he could sleaze on them or something. I don't know. Fucking... There are other options for rich Russians, I'm sure. Yeah, plenty of... Yeah, I, I I don't know why why they'd even kick up a fuss about it. Like, sure, if there's like a marketing I mean, deal sponsors, right? with Singapore, I can see that. It's yeah, sponsors. that's 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 fairish. Like, but, you can you, know. you can claim that uh, you know they're about tradition and people like women and cars and whatever, but it's sponsors. Right. It's money. 
Your sponsors yeah. want the ladies there. So you want the ladies there. It's stupid. Right. It's everything is stupid. The whole world is yeah. stupid, Danny. Money, money, money. I mean, maybe they sweeten it somewhere else. Maybe this is the type of thing where they put a little bit of pressure and then, the, you know, the track deals. Like, that's what happened with Shanghai as well. Shanghai was going to be closed down, and then they eventually, Bernie struck some sort of... They, I think they didn't pay their debt. I think that's what happened one year, was that like they had all this debt because it was like a loss-making Grand Prix for years, and then they had this bill they have to pay to the FIA every year. And then eventually one year they were like, no, nah, screw that, we're not paying it. We don't make any money off this. Um, so it looked like that was going to fall through. So like, there's always that you know push and pull, wheeling and dealing going on between all of them. So I wonder if like maybe this is just a little bit of like, you know, play acting so that when the contract stuff comes around that they get a sweeter deal next yeah. time or something. Look, you took away our ladies so that we right. our sponsors left. So give us a deal. Yeah, you're right. I right. Think that, that's totally it. These kids aren't tall enough to hold the whole. Frightened by machinery? They can't. Oh my God. Children are frightened by machinery, might be the most like propagandist bullshit I've heard in a while. Like, that's that's what your politician goes for. Children are fucking kids. Kids love trucks. Yeah. Like, they love cars. They love all that stuff. Like, what are you talking also also these aren't just random children these are children who are racing fucking cars <laughs> these are race these are kids who race go-karts <laughs> they're not like urchins we've pulled off of the streets no i don't want to be on the grid please we're no. scared of loud noises and all these cameras getting pushed in their face <laughs> like what is he talking about Man. Uh, i don't know let's move on uh, yeah, please. Formula1.com <laughs> has a, a new uh, feature out this week, and I guess they're going to do it okay. every race. I haven't really, I haven't honestly read through this. I just saw it, so I'm just going to uh, read the, the caption here. In a brand new feature for 2018, our team of experts assesses each driver after every Grand Prix and scores them according to their performance across the weekend, taking machinery mm. out of the equation. Ooh. Their scores are then combined to produce an ongoing overall ranking, which reflects driver form. This ranking takes into account Australia and Bahrain. So, Very cool. I, I, like, I came across this and didn't realize what it was. That oh, sounds really, really cool. Okay. Yeah, I, I came. I, I was flicking through the website a couple of days ago, and I was like, oh, what the hell is this about? That's really cool. Do you know who's on top? I don't. Is this, is this, uh, can I guess? Yeah. Uh... uh no, I don't want to guess because I'm. I'll guess wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say someone really, like one of the minnows, like someone. Well, like, who but, who really surprised us two races in a row? I'm trying to think. Like honestly, the Red Bull or the Toro Rosso's. Uh, yeah, I would say that. I mean, um, who else? I mean, Alonso's done well. Yeah, so here I'll just I'll I'll just tell you. Yeah, Kevin Magnuson, number one. Okay, here I yeah, all right. Um they say the Dane keeps his top spot in our rankings for the second race running after backing up his brilliant performance in Australia by equaling Haas's best ever finish with a typically punchy drive to fifth in Bahrain. The teammate Grosjean struggled to get comfortable with the handling of his car all weekend, only underlines what a terrific job Magnuson did. So Good point. like I I really like the idea of this feature because it it it's like, here's the car that you had, and here's what you did with it, right? Right. Uh, number two, Sebastian Vettel. The guy won. 
Yeah, fair enough. Uh, number three, Lewis Hamilton. But number four, Marcus Erickson. Oh, right. Um, Where did Erickson come this week? In in the race? China. Yeah, in Bahrain. Uh, wasn't it eighth? Right, ninth? okay, yeah. Uh, he was Erickson ninth. Yeah. Yeah. In a Sauber. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the thing. <laughs> Just, yeah. Uh, fifth is Gasly, Fernando Alonso. Nice. Hulkenberg, Raikkonen in eighth, uh, Ricardo in ninth, and Van Dorn in tenth. How was Ricardo in ninth? Dude, I guess, I guess he, I guess it's hard to penalize him too bad. No, I'm just thinking he should be lower if he didn't oh, finish I half see. the races. But I guess if you de- like, it's not his fault the fucking car turned off. Yeah. So yeah, well, whatever. I'm cursing too much this week. I'm sorry, everyone. It's all right. The explicit tag <laughs> is there for a reason. Okay. Yeah. All right. We might yeah. uh, we might keep track of that. That's fun. That's interesting. I like the look of that. That's going to be fun near the end of the season when we see like proper form. Uh, speaking of uh, Ricardo, in a in a news section, I've just labeled dumb. <laughs> okay. Um, this is from Reddit. Uh, my local news station used this picture of Daniel and Max leading an American football team onto the field for its story about a new piece of legislation in New Jersey. That's complicated, but basically, the long and the short what? of it is. Uh, CBS Philly on their Facebook feed um, has like, you know, found some stock image of football teams <laughs> to talk about a bill yeah. that would ban children under the age of 12 from playing football. Uh, and they used the picture they found was Max and Dan Ricardo uh, in in like football uniforms running away from uh other football players, which must have been taken for some, you know, shot before the U S grand prix last year. So it, does it look like they're children? Like, like they could be (laughs) children. The implication. Yes. (laughs) That is so good. I love that. They just pulled it from some stock library that they're, they've got like a, a a subscription with. Yeah. Football. Yep. That's what came up. Can you tell it's them? Uh, they're like, I mean, you would have to know helmets on right? here. Let me yeah. drop this in the chat here. <laughs> okay. They're wearing the like, numbers. <laughs> it does look like two children being chased after by what I think is the Arizona Cardinals. It might uh, be a high school. Okay. All right. But I mean, Verstappen definitely oh, yeah. looks like you put a child in football yeah. pads. Ricardo fills That's it out true. a little more. That's so funny. <laughs> good i like it yeah uh next up in dumb oh, oh there's more there's a whole section of there's dumb. just two <laughs> uh <laughs> this is also from reddit it's a picture of felipe massa from the german grand prix 2014 which i don't remember this happening but he is upside down skidding along the track Ooh. it's it's a crazy photo but the reason i picked it was uh because of the comments on reddit I'm just going to read a few here. Oh, I know where this is going. Looks like his car flip it over. (laughs) It must have been been quite a scare for him. (laughs) To be frank, it's still not clear if Massa is scared of anything other than Glock. Oh, no, we've gone too far, too far. Keep going. Give me a break with all these puns. Good. We're back. We're back. We're back on track. These puns the are quite. Train landed back on it. <laughs> these puns are quite ghastly. 
Yeah, that's true. Hardly any of these puns are good. You guys are totally awful. Uh, you are really pushing my button now. Uh, this is getting truly ridiculous. Truly, wow! That's a that's yeah. Okay, back on again. One good, one bad. We keep getting this. Got this is going to be a bad one. Go for it. I'm not sure whether I like how this thread developed or not. <laughs> uh, and since he's skidding along the ground upside down, this guy says uh, he is using the airbox for stopping the car. Oh, God. Okay. Oh, woof. Yeah. Oh, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of first name, last name tweets going on during the, uh, <laughs> yeah. during the race as well. Just like anywhere anyone could cram that in. I'm rooting like for any last sort name. of pun. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Anything like that. It was going in. It was, it was something else. We got some. We got. We got emails as well. We got one of the emails is about that as well. Yeah. Well, let's hit if him. You want. Let's jump into emails. Uh, Alan Shilly with this first one, uh, who says, "Sorry, you can email us. You do all this bit, so I don't even know. You can uh, go to f one. Is it f one cool forward slash emails? Yeah, that's how you do it. Uh, although I have fixed the email, we just haven't accessed. <laughs> I don't have to. I have to like <laughs> scramble the password because I forgot the password. But it is working. So I think if you send them to e- emails at f onecool it should work. I think. But we won't we won't get them until we unlock our email account, which will be saying. like forty eight hours from now. But just send them in there, nice and more. If you're not sure, just do them both ways. There you go. <laughs> and next week we'll be totally, totally fixed. I swear, I swear, I swear. Okay, Alan asks the question or says says to us, uh, "This is the average F one driver." Hello, uh, Drew, Danny, and sometimes Dave. Last week there was a picture a of the. We did this last week. Oh, the average F one driver. Yeah. No, this is 10 hours ago. This is a different one. Okay. This was 10 hours ago. I swear to God. Well, we did the average uh, F1. Like the co- first comment on Reddit is last name. Is that you? Yeah, this is not. That's why I meant brought it up, but it's definitely a different email. Okay. Because that was a funny. Sorry. Yes, that was the connection from last week. <laughs> All right. Sorry, maybe it's, maybe it was the same intro as well. So maybe it's the same person. Who knows? Um, but anyway, sorry. Last week, I swear to God, let's hold hands. We'll okay. get through this. Last week, there was a picture of the average F1 driver, and you guys were curious as to how this would have been made. Oh, uh, okay. I'm sorry. I totally it, jumped. The right. Gun. Uh, it seems to the worthwhile gun jumping though is very good. Uh, it seems to me that this is a multiple exposure in the style of Sir Francis Dalton, who was a photographer in the late 1800s. He wanted to find out what the criminal type looked like by overlaying a bunch of portraits of criminals. His work was largely nullified after the invention of the mugshot a few decades later. However, the Nazis picked it back up in the 30s as they were into the idea of the average man again. Oh boy. So, yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, a couple of uh, interesting uh, messages, some about stuff we've already talked about, some random ones, um, which I always like about stuff that's probably a little bit in our periphery. This one from Justin Keys, uh, an update on Alexander Rossi. Uh, this is brilliant. Just wanted to provide you with a quick note about everyone's favorite American F1 driver, Alexander Rossi. He was one of the most recent uh, season, sorry, he was on the most recent season of The Amazing Race. Oh, that's right. With another 80 f- driver. Yes, a fine CBS property and finished in a very respectable fourth place. He'd be pretty happy with that, actually. He was back <laughs> hey, in F1. Oh, F1, yeah. <laughs> Those manners, man, a fourth would be amazing. Um, 
His uh, partner for the race was Connor Daly, uh-huh. a driver in the Verizon IndyCar series who apparently lives on Rossi's couch. At one point, Rossi gave a brief rundown of his top accomplishments. He listed uh, starting in an F1 race as his top accomplishment with his win at Indianapolis, <laughs> ranking second. Wow. Uh, it surprised me uh, that finishing a handful of races outside of the points for Manor was higher in his list than winning the Indy 500. <laughs> Um, but I guess it only shows how prestigious F1 really is uh, to those drivers. Cheers and thanks for the podcast, uh, Justin. It's uh, Red Wing 42 on Giant Bomb. Nice. Um, that's nice. It's, and an American driver as well, you know, so clearly that m- means means a lot to him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's <laughs> that's really it. <laughs> I, love that's really funny. That, I love the fact that he just lives on his couch, apparently. Yeah. Um, we got an update from Stephen McArdle. We we had that uh, person last week uh, who was visiting Singapore, who was asking about going to the track and stuff. Mm. Uh, Stephen's been there, so he has a little bit of insight here. Uh, he said, hi, guys. I tuned into the previous uh, episode 36, and somebody mentioned a visit to the track on a business trip. Uh, this would kind of be a complete waste of time, as it's mainly roads during the year, and all the stands are temporary except for the pit building. Um, tell him to go to the Singapore Flyer, and he will be able to get the best aerial view of the track possible at the moment. Um, let me know if he needs any more info as I'm based in Singapore and was at the GP last year uh, so can pretty much show him the tracks. Cheers and that's Stephen McArdle. Uh, so there you go. The Singapore Flyer I guess is how you get those those good aerial views of it. Even but we were talking last week about even during the day it, it must be it must look totally different. Yeah. Singapore Flyer being the Ferris wheel. Right. Yes. Yes. Uh, the London Eye, the Singapore Eye. Everyone has those now. Tokyo's got one. Singapore's got one. London's got one. Paris just got one. I think Sochi has one, doesn't it? Huh. In the background of a lot sure. of those shots. It's just the thing to do now. Just make a Ferris wheel. I mean, Pripyat has one. <laughs> true. But only one of us has seen that one. Um, and uh, and by the way, in your le- in the, the other cloth map thing you did where you showed... Where was that? Was that in Ukraine where you showed the actual Ferris wheel that you used in the dream sequence? Oh, uh, it was in Crimea. Crimea, wow. Okay, bloody hell. Uh, yeah, that was something else. That was a really cool little... Uh, uh, not behind, everyone behind figured out that it was a dream sequence. I should have used a stronger filter, I think, <laughs> to, really, right. to really nail that one in. Everyone thought, like, you can ride that? I got shocked for about four seconds and then realized when you showed that you showed it again afterwards and I was like, oh no, that fucking thing don't move. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't move in Call of Duty 4. It's not going to move now. <laughs> uh, another email here from Ash uh, says, Dear Danny and Drew. Sorry, Dave Long. Uh, while listening to the Bahrain episode, I noticed Danny mentioned the Chaparral 2J, which used a fan to generate downforce underneath the car like a vacuum cleaner. Uh, actually, a couple of people emailed about this, but I picked Ash's one. And uh, not sure if you guys knew, but there was an F1 equivalent called uh, the Bram BT46B, uh, designed by Gordon Murray. Uh, to beat the Lotus ground, Lotus ground effect cars. I think we talked about this one maybe a couple of years ago. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, the car basically used a loophole in the FIA rulebook, stated that a movable device primarily used to give an aerodynamic advantage is not allowed. Gordon Murray designed the car with a giant fan powered by the gearbox that cooled the engine with the positive quote-unquote side effect of generating incredible downforce <laughs> the car only raced once at the 1978 swedish grand prix uh, driven by Nicky lauda and won with more than a 30 second lead to the next car 
<laughs> Sadly, victory was short-lived as all other constructors complained. The car was cleared to race for the remainder of the season, but was retired after only that one race. Um, and here's a link to a documentary about it, which a couple of people actually sent me, um, which is uh, we'll put in the show notes. But if you want to Google it, it's basically the Bram BT46B fan car in the BBC4 documentary about Gordon Murray um, is the title of it. Uh, yeah. So, uh, oh, sorry. He says, anyway, thanks for doing the show. Looking forward to future episodes. Cheers. Ash from Amsterdam. Thank you so nice. much. Thank you. Yeah, I thought that was a funny one. Um, I always love, we, I mean, we, talk, we talked about the rear wing tomfoolery last week. It's always fun to see the sort of Franken cars that have appeared yeah. over the years. That car in particular is like looking at that and saying that's an F1 car is bonkers. Right. Yeah. But that was the era. Uh, and then the last one here from Clayton Petty, which I couldn't figure out myself, so I'm going to ask you about it. Subject, okay. Mark Webber. Uh, message, love your podcast. You always talk about pulling a Mark Webber or something of the sort. It clearly has a negative connotation. <laughs> what does it mean? I don't remember <laughs> saying this. Do you? Um, I don't think we've said it this season. Maybe we what? have. I don't, I, I'm pretty sure whenever we say it, maybe we have. Um, it, uh it refers to when his car did a backflip. Yeah, that's okay. That's, that was the only thing that was coming to mind for me was that he did. Um, what was it in? It wasn't in the Le Mans. It was in, it was in some other type of before he was in F1. Um, I'll look it up. Uh, yeah. When his car basically like just did not have enough downforce and just, I think it was Le Mans. Was it? It might've been, it looks like one of those endurance cars. Um, and he was, it was both of them did it, right? Yeah, it was. It was 1999. It was. I feel like both of the cars flipped that year. Like both of the whatever cars he was, he was Mercedes, I think he was driving. Um, yeah, it's a crazy crash. The car just like totally loses downforce and skyrockets. The nose goes into the air and the car flips like, does like a barrel. Well, no, not a barrel. It does like a front, like a backflip, like three or four times into the trees. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the only one I can think of. Mark Webber. He did a real Mark Webber that time. He really, he really did. <laughs> and that's all our emails. So send us emails by whatever method you think is most likely to work. Emails <laughs> are F, emails at f1.cool or go to f1.cool forward slash emails. Um, and uh, yeah, and we'll read them out next week if they're good ones like the ones we just uh, listed. All right. Well, we've also got a Twitter if you if that's your persuasion. Uh, follow sure. at Shift F1 Podcast for any uh, fun F1 stuff we come across. Um, I am also at Drew Scanlon. He is at Danny O'Dwyer. Shout outs this week go to Daniel, uh, who says, I certainly hope you watch the podium for the Super GT race. And it is uh, two Japanese men on the top step of the podium holding up a bag of golf clubs. What? <laughs> Apparently that's but sponsor or was that was that the was that the uh, like the trophy uh, was like a sponsored trophy something. what yeah, the f- okay great here you go i'll link it to it japan gone to japan man right, yep. let me check this out what the fuck yeah it's a bag of golf clubs it's not even like a full set it's got like oh no it is actually irons are down there weird I guess you win Super GT races, you get to share a bag of golf clubs. Who's yeah. the caddy? He uh, he also sent us uh, a tweet from Andrew Benson, who's a BBC Sport uh, F1 writer, with a picture that says, uh, Bernie has turned up. Oh, no. Bernie Eccleston. 
Uh, complete with shirt of the old F1 logos on it, of course. <laughs> no one gave him the new ones. It's like when I go to the gym wearing old GameSpot shirts. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh uh, Gregory also says, okay, Shift F1 podcast. I'm calling Hartley Haryanto. I say we must declare anyone with H-A-R is for the duration of their career, Haryanto. Yes. And I could I not that, yeah. be behind sure. that more. I'm with that. Yeah. Not let change him. Like Max just happened. Paul sends in uh, this photo on Twitter that just says, meanwhile, in MotoGP, and it's a picture of the, I think the start of the Argentina Grand Prix, and it's one guy in in the number one spot, and then like 12 blank spaces, and then the rest of the grid. What? It's so bizarre. Do you know what happened? I don't. Uh, I haven't been following MotoGP this year. and I, I, I tried I, to. I was in bed. A, yeah, apparently a, a bit, yeah, apparently the race has been really good. About two weeks ago, I tried to watch in, in bed and could not remember my password. <laughs> and I was like, oh, so. Um, oh, no, that's what it was. I didn't. I hadn't signed up this year. My wallet was downstairs. That's what it was. So I couldn't I couldn't uh, sign up. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching that. Yeah. Figuring out what that's about. It's apparently really good again this year. Last year was great. Uh, and then Nick sent in um, a video called The Anatomy of an F1 Pit Stop. How did Kimmy run over his mechanic? Yeah, great video, that one. Yeah, did you watch it? I did, yeah. I watched it, um, I think, when I saw that tweet. And yeah, it's kind of just shows you the amount of drivers that are there, what the or uh, engineers, what their responsibilities are, and uh, the sort of the different types of release systems that different teams use. Um, because some of the stuff is standardized, but a lot of the stuff is is up to the each individual team and their sort of own parameters. Um, really good. It's not that long a video. It's like seven minutes long. But it's all motion graphics and really well done. Cool. Well, uh, I know you thought we forgot it, everyone, but oh no, we did oh, not. No. Let's no. race around the world. Race around the world. Drew, how many islands do we have this week? Uh, we don't have an island, I don't think, uh, but we do have something approaching a weird... A peninsula. State, <laughs> municipality, city-state thing. A prefecture. Uh, we have the Rome E. Prix for Formula E. Whoa. And the, uh, the head of the neighboring city-state, the Vatican, came out and saw the Formula E cars. That's right. There are pictures of the Pope. Standing next to Formula E cars. Did he bless them? Did he bless them? Did he bless them? I'm not sure, but he met oh. John Eric Verne. The most saintly of all the drivers, surely. That's amazing. Uh, that's on Saturday. The IMSA WeatherTech Championship uh, is in Long Beach for the Bubba Burger Sports Car GP. <laughs> really? Bubba Burger? There's already a Bubba Shrimp. You can't just... That's make Bubba up your own. Very yeah, different. but it's like close. How many Bubba style reference <laughs> restaurants can we have here? You're in America, right. Danny. You could have unlimited Bubba stuff. <laughs> right. Uh, Bubba burgers are pretty good, actually. They're frozen. They're frozen hamburgers that you just heat up and you eat. Oh, really? Yep. Delicious. Uh, World Superbike is in Motorland, Aragon. Middle oh, Earth. I love it. Middle <laughs> Earth. <laughs> Joke never gets old. Uh, NASCAR? Nope. Strider. We have more. <clears throat> okay. I always save NASCAR for last. You uh, also don't ever say it in that voice, so careful. You're right. I'm just... <laughs> 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 it's been a long podcast so far. Verizon IndyCar. 
also in Long Beach for the Toyota Grand Prix of Long Beach, their third round. Again, I should note that uh, they put up their full races on YouTube. Awesome. Uh, I think maybe a week after they air or something. Right. That's cool. Um. Okay, now it's time for NASCAR, Danny. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. We're at Let's the Bristol it. Motor Speedway. That's England. Yep. Bristol. Bristol, England for the... <laughs> Food City 500. <laughs> Where is Bristol? What state is that in? Uh, that's in Tennessee. Tennessee. Ooh, Tennessee. I was there before. Tennessee. That's cool. Food City, baby. Food's, actually, Tennessee. I think I'm going to have to deviate from my voice uh, again because I don't think Food City... That's not the right voice for Food City. Okay. I think the right voice for Food City is Food City! <laughs> I think that's how you sure. have to say that. Is that is that the is that the slogan? Yes. The the food city. Sorry, I can't do it. You got to spend That's more time good. in the south. Apparently, I'm not. I'm on the Mason Dixon here in fucking Maryland. Help me out. Uh, F1 calendar dot com. Why didn't I open this tab? <laughs> and there you go. There we go. First practice is. On April the 12th, mm. um, which is uh, Thursday. Strangely. Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. It's Thursday at 7 p.m., followed mm. by second practice at uh, 11 p.m. This is mm. Pacific time. Third practice is April 13th, Friday at uh, 8 p.m., followed by qualifying at 11 p.m. So if mm. you're a night owl or on the east coast qualifying and the race are very watchable and the race danny april 14th the saturday at 11 p.m beautiful yeah looking forward to watching that live maybe not got plans this weekend ah uh, yes i don't think i'll be able to do that but i'll watch it later yes indeed Stay away from spoilers uh Let's run down the driver standings here before we close out. Sebastian Vettel on top with 50 points. Mm. Clean 5-0. Lewis Hamilton Halfway. with 33. Valtteri Botas with 22. Fernando Alonso mm. in fourth place with 16. What? Yeah. Last year, in the entire season, he got 17 points. Right. We'd be screaming about how good that was if it wasn't for the fact that Atara Russell came fourth in the last race. <laughs> yes. That's the, right. that's the most fucked up part about that. Behind him is Kimi Raikkonen uh, with 15 points. Uh, then it's Nico Hulkenberg with 14. Daniel Ricciardo has 12, who is tied with Pierre Gasly. Wow. Uh, Kevin Magnussen in ninth place with 10 points. Max Verstappen has eight. That is not a strong start for the Red Bull guys. No, not at all. We haven't 11. got a good sense of how good they are yet. It's true. Mm -hmm. Stuffa Waffle, six <laughs> points in uh, 11 points. Uh, 11th position in the points. Mm -hmm. Marcus Erickson in 12th with two points. Carlos Sainz, Esteban Ocon each have one. Sergio Perez, Charles Leclerc, uh, Roman Grosjean, Lance Stroll, Brendan Hartley, and Sergei Sorotkin all have zero puntos. There you go. In constructors, give them, a, give them a while. Ferrari's got 65, Mercedes 55, McLaren in third place with 22 points. Red Bull has 20. Renault in fifth place with 15. Scuderia Toro Rosso. With 12, Gene Haas and team have 10. 
Uh, Sauber has two, Force India with one, and Williams bringing up the goose egg. Zero points. Yeah, Williams have a little bit. This will be an interesting week for them because they did. They were underperforming based on last year at this this year's Bahrain. So yeah, I think yeah, the only team to do so. Yeah, by like so a second too. It was not. It's not good. Yeah, and they've been in sort of a no man's land for a while there. So you know, it's just it's hard when everyone else is making making changes and and doing better. Like a lot of people seem to be doing better this year, but poor old Williams. So it'll be an interesting race for them next week. Every race is a chance to turn it around, Danny. That's why I'm looking forward to China. 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 Japan. So, no, China. <laughs> as always, you can find our show notes on F1.cool uh, mm. and in the um, podcast description, I guess, nowadays on modern podcast apps. You can click Ooh. into the, like, the info for the episode and there are it supports hyperlinks. So you put that in there and you can just click it. Amazing. Go there from what? From there on your 4d metadata (laughs) until until next time i am just scanlon he is danny o'dwyer if you want to support us we are both on patreon danny at patreon.com slash no clip i am at patreon.com slash cloth map anything else danny no just happy to be here just looking forward to some more racing man f1 we're already it's like by the end of this weekend we'll be three races in it's like it was gone for so long and now it's just all over us it's crazy how how quickly it all just comes back. Looking forward I to it. I think there's a section in there where we have five races in six weeks. So Boy. we'll be busy. Looking forward to that. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Yeah.